This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Sal Sports Live. Sal Capaccio here with you. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We took the week off last week on hiatus for Thanksgiving. Hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving. You enjoyed a lot of football. It wasn't like really great football. We were missing a game, obviously, on Thursday night. But then we got to play that game yesterday, which was kind of odd. Wednesday afternoon, Ravens, Steelers. Hope you got a chance to watch Deshaun Watson on Thanksgiving. Just gushing about this kid. I think he's amazing. Uh, great quarterback to watch over for Houston. The Texans, obviously, in the AFC, but not a team right now that's going to be threatening for the playoffs as opposed to a lot of teams that we are watching and keeping an eye on in the AFC. But this week, the Buffalo Bills have an NFC matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. We're going to get into that in just a moment. Maybe you're joining me not on the live web edition, but maybe you're joining me on the Sal Sports and Stuff podcast. So we do that every week as well. Thanks a lot for listening, subscribing, and downloading. However you listen, I really appreciate that. You can find it on Apple, iTunes. You can go to our WGR uh, site, WGR550.com. You can find it right there at radio.com. It's always a uh, tap away on any app or any device that you want to listen. And of course, every Thursday night, we do this. Bills 49ers, these two teams, I think have a very, very cool history. I really do. I think this is one of the coolest histories of the you know non-traditional teams the Bills play, AFC East teams, even AFC. Bills 49ers is pretty amazing when you go back to the history, back to the no-punt game of 1992. But even before that, when these two teams for eight, I'm sorry, seven straight years it was, seven straight years, right? 88, 89, 90, 1, 2, 3, 4, for seven straight years, one of them was in their conference championship game. And four of those years, they were both there and they never matched up in the Super Bowl. And I think every year in the, that seven years, one of them actually went to the Super Bowl, the 49ers in 88, 89, the Bills 90, 91, 92, 93, and the 49ers in 94. And they never played. It was Chris Berman's dream from ESPN. I'm going to welcome in my special guest tonight. You might remember all of that, Cam Inman from the San Jose yeah. Mercury News. Thanks for doing that, man. I, this, I, I tell you, what a history <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Sal, I got some, I got history too. My mom is from Buffalo. So I, oh, there's a connection there too. Yeah. And her dad had a, a candy shop, I believe on, um, 
Tonawanda, I think, uh, up in uh, near Riverside High back when she grew up there in the 40s. That is amazing because um, I don't live too far from there. That's um, huh? Riverside High. That would be the Black Rock District. I'm actually not far from there in the city here. So have you yeah. visited, been here? What's your connection at all? Yeah. So, okay. I've been covering the NFL for 20 years. I've been, I would, I had Buffalo was the last city to check off my uh, list. I think that was about, when were they there? Four years ago, I believe when Kaepernick uh, made a start there. And so, yeah, so I got to check out the area and I went up to uh, Niagara Falls, went on a run. It was awesome. I enjoyed Buffalo. It was very good. Got my hair cut at a barbershop and yeah. uh, hit, the, hit the big ditch brewery. So I saw the town. It's all good. Got the wings at the anchors. Yep. Yep. You, you came at the right time because we, we've had a bit of a resurgence here, you know, in Buffalo. Yeah. And, you know, it's a town that's really uh, come back. I left. I grew up here. Cheektowaga is the town I grew up in, but I, I went to Syracuse. I left. I I lived in Florida and I joke, Cam, I'm the only man who chose to leave Florida to move to Buffalo, New York. And I came back after being away for 16 years. I've been back for 10 years and it, it's been the best decision ever. It's, it's a really a great place to live. I, I think that's a good decision, actually. I, I'm all with it on there. <laughs> you know, you go back to those 89, 88 through 94 teams I was just talking mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Niners. We never got that dream matchup, man. That would have been a really cool Super Bowl. We got a couple of games in there. I never got that matchup. That would have been the end of Chris Berman, as you say. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing how how they each had the run on everything. They had great coaches, great quarterbacks, right? And I think if we want to flip it to modern day, we're seeing that right now with the modern day Bills. Uh, and you're seeing that with the 49ers, if they can maybe get Jimmy Garoppolo healthy for Kyle Shanahan. Um, I, I, it obviously worked. It got them to the Super Bowl last season. And um, I think the Bills are obviously on the upswing with uh, Josh Allen complimenting what they got going on there in Buffalo. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, Ben says he always picked Bills 49ers. He did. He always said, I'm the first, I was the last, first one on the bus and the last <laughs> one. No doubt about that. We got some viewers out in Hawaii. Chris always comes. He says, uh -huh. aloha. Thank you very much, aloha. Chris. Uh, we got Sam over there who's not far from there. I think uh, we. I visited Hawaii once with my family. I think we uh, laid over in L.A., but I think San Fran might, might be one of those stops where you, you fly in before you hop over to Hawaii. It, it is, and, and Hawaii is our paradise. I mean, we go. We try to go every year or every other year with family, and Good. we are big fans of the, the island of Kauai and then maybe Maui, and then you can keep going around. Well, I'll tell you what, Cam, you, you're the perfect guy to bring on the show then. You know a lot about Buffalo, and of course you've been um, covering the 49ers for the San Jose Mercury News, so mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Let's start sure. with the big picture for the 49ers. Yeah. Everything that's gone down in the past, you know, what, 72 hours or so since the weekend, <laughs> they have to move the, the operation out to Arizona. Give us just kind of an update on where all of that stands, what's going to happen, and what the plan is and how it's going. Sure. Well, obviously, I'm not in Arizona. I'm still at home in the Bay Area, but the, the 49ers arrived in Phoenix last night. They will be setting up camp there essentially till the end of the season. Um, Santa Clara County, where they're based, is uh, they, they came out with COVID-19 uh, guidelines that are much stricter and ban contact sports. And they surprised the 49ers and basically everybody with it on Saturday afternoon uh, caught the 49ers off guard. So after they beat the Rams Sunday, they were scrambling to find a new home. And, you know, you go back uh, during the March, spring uh, when teams were kind of going over contingency plans. And when the schedule came out, we noticed that the 49ers and the Cardinals never overlapped. And so that was a natural destination for them. And it's actually worked out really well, actually through one day so far, in that the Cardinals, they train in Tempe, which is about 20 minutes away from Glendale, which is where their, their State Farm Stadium is. But on the stadium grounds and the parking lots, they have a couple practice fields. And that's where the Cardinals do their training camp. There's a uh, Renaissance Hotel adjoining the stadium and the practice fields. 
Uh, so the 49ers are embedded there. They can have their weight room there. They have training room. They have a locker room, all that hotel. And uh, today was their first day practicing there. And the practice report today that people will see, there's only two guys essentially that are on it. Debo Samuel, their wide receiver, their, their catalyst for their last win. He's on there with a hamstring, but that's because, well, this is if we want to take Kyle Shanahan at his word, it's a precaution so that he'll be able to play Monday night because Debo was out four games with that hamstring before he returned against the Rams. So allegedly no setback. And the other one was K1 Williams, their nickelback. Um, and he's been out for a couple games now with it, with an ankle that Nichols actually is, is going to be an area that Buffalo should exploit because the Niners are down a couple guys there now. Yeah. Cause Juwan Taylor, uh, um, he, Jamar Taylor, yeah. Jamar Taylor, excuse me. He yeah. got, he got banged ACL. up. He got an ACL. Yeah. ACL. He's on IR. So wasn't he already filling in for somebody as well? Yeah. He was filling in for K1 Williams. So, and K1 was, ha- he, the Niners really like, like him a lot. They think he's the best slot corner in the league. It's kind of hard to quantify when people don't really throw much or you don't give up a lot of touchdowns. So, uh, but Jamar Taylor was doing really, really well at that spot. Um, but more important, they have Richard Sherman and Jason Verrett playing as their starting cornerbacks. And Verrett's had a sensational season. He might be the, the one of the best comeback players of the year, not nearly on the scale than Alex Smith or Ben Roethlisberger, but he's played exceptionally for a guy that hasn't really been in the league the last four years because of leg injuries. And then Sherman missed almost all the season. He played in the week one and he just came back Sunday for his second game and he had a pick. So uh, Josh Allen will have uh, some veteran cornerbacks to throw at. Uh, Stefan Diggs will be lining up against. Assuming Josh Allen's ankles, okay, I guess he he practiced today, right? So knee and ankle, it's knee and ankle. It's you know yeah. one of those things where he got twisted up pretty good, uh, but he mm. did he in the game and he ran for a touchdown after. But I think this is one of those deals where they're going to have to just nurse it all week. But you know he he says it shouldn't be an issue going forward. But I, I do wonder if it's going to impact him and you know his running ability a lot. Yeah, but he's from Firebaugh, California, and they make him tough coming out of Firebaugh, as we all know. He is very tough. There's no doubt about that. Um, <laughs> What about let, let's talk a little bit about the quarterback situation because yeah. I've been saying on the radio this week, you know, I follow you and I follow other people on Twitter who are, you know, 49ers reporters. And what I see from some of the fans when yeah. you guys write things is there's this this interesting debate going on between the fans. I mean, I'm not gonna call it a quarterback controversy. Maybe you can, but here's, uh, here's okay. a, you tell me if this is right. It seems like the people who are in Jimmy G's camp say Look at the record. Look at the record. They win more when he's the quarterback. The people who are in Mullins' camp say, "But look at the eye test. Mullins is the better fit for this offense." So, hmm. what's going on with all that? It's the 49ers. and the second Joe Montana and Steve Young went from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer, that's the standard. And until a 49er quarterback wins the Super Bowl, like Steve Young was the last to do 25 years ago, that's going to be the main question. And because Garoppolo didn't win it, because he overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in the fourth quarter and could have been the next 49er great, um, and because he's been injured almost all season because of an ankle injury, people wonder, well, maybe it's Nick Mullins, but then Nick Mullins has bad games and has turnovers, and they say that Niners are got to go draft Zach Wilson or somebody in the college ranks, right? Right. So it's a never-ending cycle until you're going to get a, a Super Bowl ring on a quarterback's finger here. And personally, I don't think there's really a debate. I mean... Uh, unless Garoppolo can't stay healthy, that's the only issue. But Jimmy's not a guy that's fragile. It's just he had a very bad ankle injury in week two at MetLife Stadium. Um, and it knocked him out a couple games. He tried to come back too soon, won a couple games where he was just dinking and dunking, and then he's been out a month now. And there's a chance he comes back with a couple games left in the season if the playoffs are still in play. And I, 
to me, Shanahan's offense isn't predicated on the quarterback throwing deep or being sensational, running the ball, obviously. What he wants them to do is be an efficient game manager and run the it's a run-oriented offense. Um, mm-hmm. Nick does that just about as well as Jimmy, but Nick is more prone to turnovers because he's a younger quarterback with less experience. I think he's a, he's going to be a very good pro. He already is. Um, he's got a couple wins under his belt, a lot of experience, so that's fine. But the thing is, and, and you're right about people in Jimmy's camp, they're all about pointing to his record because these guys won a ton of games. Um, mm-hmm. But there's more to Jimmy about that. He, The instant he became a 49er from the trade with the Patriots, his personality and just the way he he's a, he was a high school linebacker, that's the way he comes across. He doesn't come across as Jimmy GQ like everybody wants to call him because he's darn good looking, right? But he, he's got this, um, I don't even want to say it's a swagger because it's not, he's just, he's one of the guys. He's not a guy that um, wants to be an elitist and, and talk down to people. And um, he, he just wants, he's, he's kind of the, um, uh, it's called servant leadership. He wants to do whatever is needed for the team. And at some point that's going to have to be to lead them back to a Super Bowl. And last year they got to the Super Bowl mainly because of their past pass rush. And because of their run uh, run game, so right now the 49ers, um, that pass rush disappeared in week two when Nick Bosa got hurt. The run game's been hurt because they were they were down to their six string running back two weeks ago. Um, but they got some healthy rushers back. Raheem Mostert will play this game against the Bills. Jeff Wilson will be available. Jarek McKinnon will be available. So they're almost getting back to pretty good health, and that's pretty stunning for a team that sent. I think they're up to 27 or 28 guys on injured reserve since training camp. Wow. Yeah, they yeah. they've done. I think a really good job Kyle has Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. is massaging the roster, you know, with uh, everything that's going on and using every resource available to them. They did a nice job, but the bills will see Nick Mullins. So what are the bills seeing in quarterback Nick Mullins when he starts on Monday night? Yeah. So I, I think what you want to do with Nick is that you pressure him just like any other quarterback, but um, the 49ers offensive line has been leaky this year. Um, he's been turnover prone, especially coming off the edges. It seems like he sees the field really well between the hash marks, like a lot of young quarterbacks do. Uh, a couple of years ago, when Nick first got in some games, his throws to the outside to the boundary were not, they were not strong enough. Uh, he's got a better arm. He knows his limitations now. And, and Shanahan's system is built so that you want to get the ball quickly out of guys, out of the quarterback's hands and get it to guys for the yards after the catch, which Debo Samuel, George Kittle, um, these are the kind of they have guys that flourish in the system like that. Kittle, obviously, he won't be playing here for Nick Mullins, but Nick will have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel to target. And the 49ers love that pairing. That's going to be the pairing for the future. Um, Brandon Ayuk's rookie. He's graceful, runs routes really well. He's quick, um, and he's still kind of a secret weapon around the league. Debo is just this physical bull. Yeah. Before the Bills made the Diggs trade, mm-hmm. the number one priority, I think, for Bills fans was getting a wide receiver. And I think most thought yeah. they would have I really liked him, along with a few others. It was a great draft, but that was a, a really nice pick for them. He, the first day of training camp, he just, I, I don't think I'd seen a rookie as productive. And I'm like, wow, this guy really could be something. And most first rounders, you go, oh, it could be a bust, right? Well, this one, you go, oh, this could be a boom. And he hasn't played too much. He's been, he missed two of the last three games on the COVID reserve list. Um, but when he's in there, he flashes. And so Nick knows that Nick seems to have a good connection with him. Uh, so you have those two, but you, again, uh, you don't have George Kittle. So you hope Jordan Reed's healthy enough to make plays. And, um, you know, obviously as a veteran experience, uh, he was coming off the COVID list too. Um, uh, well, not COVID, he actually was ill 
last week. He was he didn't have COVID, but he was ill and missed a couple of practices. So um, they didn't go to him as often against Rams. But there's he's got enough targets, especially out of the backfield, where um, Nick's not going to have to air it out too much. And I, just, I don't I don't want to say they can't play comeback football because we haven't really seen it um, them do it well. Like when they try, it's in the fourth quarter when the game's out of hand, so it's kind of can't count on it. Yeah, uh, Cam Inman, by the way, joining me, San Jose Mercury News. Uh, thanks to him for joining us here, both on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. If you're listening that way or tonight, live on the web show, South Sports Live. One thing I really noticed about the way that they run their wide receivers is both these guys, Ayuk and Debo Samuel, they get the ball at or behind the line of scrimmage a lot, and they just love to run with these guys. Just uh, kind of go over that offense and how it works with that particular element to it. Yeah, we saw this about a month ago when they they um, had Garoppolo come in, you know, on that tender ankle, and he would do these uh, tiny little jet tosses to uh, Debo Samuel that would travel about three and a half inches, maybe a foot, as Debo crossed in front of him. They count as a pass, but it's essentially a run, and Debo would rack up 60 yards, 100 yards in a game. Um, but here's the thing, but besides those passes behind the line of scrimmage, the 49ers offense is so predicated on their blocking scheme and everybody's got to hit the right guy. And for the most part with Trent Williams leading the way at left tackle, um, it's, it's a great direction for them to go. Um, it's, and when you have younger guys on the inside you have a, a let's see, Daniel Brunskill will be starting. I think this is his fourth game at center. And then Colton McKibbs made a starting debut at right guard uh, last game against Aaron Donald, which is not a fun matchup. Um, Mike McGlinch, he's only in his third year at right tackle. And he's not done well as a pass protector, but he's one of the best at run blocking. Um, the 49ers know how to use their players' strengths and try to stay away from the weaknesses. And when you have that short passing game, uh, all the blocking has to be in sync. And the receivers and tight ends are excellent at blocking. And that kind of Kittle set the stage or set the tone for that um, a couple of years ago. And he's almost a better blocker than he is a yards after the catch receiver. He's a first team all pro. And so even though he's not around that had that kind of that standard's been set for everybody to continue to chase. I know they lost Bosa, obviously. Let's go back to the defensive side. Um, the bills last week, the chargers got to him a little bit and obviously mm -hmm. they have the other side. He had three sacks against them, but what does the pass rush look like in San Francisco yeah. these days? Nothing like it should. <laughs> I mean, last year, they got to the Super Bowl because you had Nick Bosa on one end and you had D Ford on the other, right? Then you had DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead kind of in the middle on your pass rush. Uh, this year, Bosa's out. Um, uh, D Ford's been out since week one. He's not going to come back. Uh, you had Solomon Thomas go out with an ACL, same game as, as Bosa in week two. So getting to your point on who's available, Kerry Hyder Jr., you know, he might play it in Detroit and Dallas. He comes to the 49ers, supposed to be a reserve rotational defensive end. He leads the team with seven and a half sacks. He, he's not a flashy defensive end. Um, he's not always in the quarterback's face, but he gets there a couple times a game enough to say, this guy's doing his job, right? That's what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to go over the top like some people are like, wow, oh, that's tremendous. Seven and a half sacks is a ton, right, in, in today's yeah. NFL. But um, and, and Eric Armstead's the guy that they paid a lot of money to. He was a first round draft pick, I think, in 15, maybe and maybe 16. And rather than pay to Forrest Buckner, a defensive tackle, they opted to pay Armstead because Armstead plays base defensive end. He goes inside on pass rush. Only only thing is this year they don't have enough defensive ends, so they keep him outside. He gets double teamed. That opens it up for other guys. Armstead, I think, only has one and a half sack. The fans are crying that he's overpaid. They made the wrong decision. But 
you have enough guys coming through now that have been on that line in place of Bosa and, and uh, D Ford that they're showing some progress. And Kevin Givens is one, Kevin Tavia Street. These guys are low on the totem pole. Now they're playing a lot of minutes. Deion Jordan, the uh, former first-round draft pick of the Jags, right? He's playing at defensive end. Hasn't really done much yet. Um, he had some good opportunities early on, but he's he's there. And then um, it seems like they somehow get enough pressure. It's, they don't blitz a ton. That's not Robert Sala's deal. He's blitzing more this year. Um, with a cornerback or a linebacker. And I think he should do that more often, um, especially with Josh Allen. I think he just kind of get more guys up near that line of scrimmage in case Josh starts running that you can kind of stop him before he hits that open field. And you mentioned Salah. You guys have a coordinator there that is obviously getting mentioned for head coaching you know, opportunities, possibly Detroit, the first one that you know has really been kind of linked to. Same yeah. thing here in Buffalo with Brian Dable, you know, offensive mm-hmm. coordinator who's getting a lot of looks, but tell me why he's so regarded in what he does. Right. Because after like his first year or so, you go, I don't know if this is the right defensive coordinator. The defense isn't so great. The team wasn't so good. Then you get a pass rush in with Nick Bosa. And all of a sudden everybody knows your system. The guy has, he's very energetic, upbeat, positive, nonstop. Yep. It preaches aggressiveness, everything you want out of a defensive coordinator to do. The fact that they have a, like a top-ranked defense still, not number one, but top five or so, and considering that they don't have Bosa and they've lost so many players from every position, they've lost, um, I think they've lost six of their season opening starters, all right, five or six, and they're still turning away. It's, it's a positive reflection on him. You know, after the game against the Rams where you shut down Jared Goff and this Rams offense, you never know what can they, they can put up. I asked Richard Sherman just something about the defense, and he turned it into a Robert Solifer head coach uh, candidacy for every team to watch. And, and nobody's going to dispute that here. Now, the, the thing right. is, the reason he's hooked up with the connected with the, he was a Cleveland Browns finalist in January. And uh, the Lions make a lot of sense because he's from Dearborn, Michigan, which is in Allen Park's backyard. Um, makes a lot of sense. And the fact that you have a veteran quarterback there in Matthew Stafford where he doesn't have to groom a guy like Kyle Shanahan or an offensive-minded coach. But they just had a defensive coordinator fail there as the head coach. So maybe they don't go that route. Um, but I think Robert Sala could also go to Houston because he, that's where he got his NFL start as a quality control coach. He could go to Jacksonville in place of Doug Marone, which is where he was before the 49ers hired him. And to be honest with you, if you can go somewhere with Deshaun Watson, I talked about him at the very top yeah, of this. Show. I agree. Players in the NFL to watch. I mean, I know they don't have much in the cupboard as far as draft picks, but you you more than make up for it with that quarterback. Agreed. And like you say, you don't need like he doesn't have to be the offensive guru to teach. He can help Deshaun Watson see the game from a defensive point of view as well, and just up his game and uh, up that contract too. And uh, before I let you go, I do have a question here. It's a good question because mm. Chris wants to know more zone or man from the 49ers in this scheme because what we saw from the Bills were when they faced face more man coverage this year, they really tore it up and a lot of crossing routes and Dable was great. Once teams started playing more zone, keeping everything in front of them, that's when the Bills have kind of struggled to push the ball down the field. What do the 49ers like to do? They're a zone team. Um, they can obviously do man with Sherman and Barrett as – veteran veteran guys that know what to do fred warner but we should be talking about as well because this guy could be an all-pro linebacker either this year or the next year or two i mean he i know every team seems to have a great middle linebacker but fred warner and he's in his third year he's playing really really well and he played against josh allen in the poinsettia bowl in 2016 as you know byu and wyoming i I am 
down for my sideline notes for the game. Well, Josh Allen, Josh Allen lost that game. It was like two, he threw for 200 yards in the rain and he considered going into the NFL draft after that, but he decided to go back to Wyoming for one more year. Right. And right. that's when the Bills were able to sleep in and get him. So they owe it all to Fred Warner's BYU team for keeping him uh, back at Wyoming for another year. But anyhow, they do play more zone They're, They, they don't, um, they don't disguise quite as much as some of these other teams. They're not like an all-out blitz team like the Jets would be with a Greg Williams or something like that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how a new nickelback um, impacts what they do too because um, that's something that where Jamar Taylor, when he was filling in for K1 Williams, and K1 would do it as well, would be these uh, blitzes from the slot. Um, so maybe they don't do that as much. So that's, that's, your, uh, that's your scouting report. But they got some, they got some decent ball players still on that side of the ball. No doubt about it. And their numbers reflect it. This should be a good game on Monday night. I really, I, I think it should be a really good game. I know it's not the situation and circumstance everybody hoped for when the schedule came out. I mean, I'm not traveling this year. I mean, that kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's the radio crew. Nobody is. So, you know, I know that you guys are, you're probably not traveling a lot of the road games. You know what I mean? As a, I, as a I, um, I, I'm not going to this one, but I went to, I went to new Orleans when the 49ers okay. played a couple of weeks ago and good. it was, my, it was my first road game because it was the first game that 49er fans could see the team. And I had COVID in October. So I have my antibody get out of jail free card. Okay. Uh, I, it was, it was hard earned and um, I don't take it lightly, but it, so I'm not traveling, but I could, it's just a decision we decided not to. And the thing is they're going to be bunkered there in Arizona for the rest of the uh, rest of the season. Uh, the rest of this month, they have a game in Dallas. But otherwise, they're playing, I think, for their, for their last five in State Farm Stadium, which is – it's odd, but it's the way of 2020. And I wonder how much that's weighing on them mentally this week, at least, to kind of let that sit in. We're not going to be with our families. I, you know, maybe it's something where the, the, the shock hasn't gotten there yet, or maybe it's something they're thinking about. I think that's a, a, a storyline. Yeah. Actually, Sal, that's a, that's a good point because when we talked to Kyle Shanahan – um, he brought that up that the second they arrived at their team hotel in Glendale, but he pulled 20 guys aside, which violates COVID rules, right? You can't be like that many people. Anyhow, he, we won't get into that, but we're just saying. The, Put them in different the, rooms and see them. Well, there you yes, go. maybe it was spread out in the ballroom, but what he told them was, he, he's like, you 20 guys, he's like, we're all going to hit a mental wall. Some guys will hit it quicker than others. There's going to be something about being isolated away from friends and family for so long. This isn't just a week layover like they've done in the past. And he wanted those 20 guys to keep an eye on their teammates and see if there's anything that's dealing with anybody, big or small, to bring it to somebody's attention so that they don't keep it inside. Just that mental health aspect, it just, that's, that means a lot in today's society, especially with what we're all going through and learning how to communicate, meet people like this online. So, and, and Sal, thanks for having me on to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on and look at four more years when we're back to normal, when you come back to Buffalo, I won't get that haircut like you, as you can see, but I will. Go out and get some wings with it if you want. So let's do that. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks, man. Appreciate right, thank, it. Okay. Thank you for coming out tonight, Kim. Uh, enjoy the rest of the season and the game. And uh, thanks for doing this. And happy holidays, you and your family. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Sal. Okay, thank you. That is Cam Inman. And he uh, covers the San, San Francisco 49ers for the San Jose Mercury News. That is uh, really cool. Um, here we go. There's Chris again. I'm excited for this game. Laura says, sounds like a great coach. I like it. I like what I heard from him. That was really cool. Um let me see what else we got here. This is awesome. Thank you, Otis Dog. Thank you. Why says we love you. All right. Gotcha. Love you guys too. Thank you. I'm just trying to scroll through some of these things. Let me get to Bill's 49ers history for a minute. Bill's 49ers history to me is a wacky, wild, awesome history. These two teams, I tweeted earlier this week at Sal Sports on Twitter, by the way. I tweeted earlier this week that these two teams. The last eight times they played, 
the Bills had a different starting quarterback, never the same quarterback at all, and the eight times, all eight different. And the la- and out of those games, the last seven of them, the 49ers had a different starting quarterback. You have to go all the way back to the 90s, Jim Kelly and Steve Young, to play against each other two straight years. That was 80 or two straight times, 89 and then 92. And then 95, the Bills had a different starting quarterback. And, and, and I'm sorry, not 95, it was still Jim Kelly. I'm sorry. Um, it, that's when they had the last time was Young and Kelly. And then you go to 98 and it's Rob Johnson. And then you go to 2001 and it's Alex Van Pelt, actually. 2004 was Drew Bledsoe. 2008 was Trent Edwards. 2012 was Ryan Fitzpatrick. 2016 was Tyrod Taylor. And now here we are in 2020. And you go back and you look at Colin Kaepernick, who started. You look at Sean Hill, who started back in 08. Ken Dorsey, the Bills quarterbacks coach, he was in there for a game. Um, Alex Smith, I mean, amazing. And that was a game in 2012. The Bills got shellacked. That's been another theme. Let me tell you the scores of the games that these two teams have played against each other over the last several. You go back to 2001, Bills lose 35 to nothing. Then three years later, Bills win 41 to seven. There was a 10 3 game in there, which stunk. Then it's 45-3, Bills lose, 45-16, Bills win. It was I, I did the math this week. It's like 166 to 26 or something like that in four of those five games total. There was a game, if you remember, in 1995. I, I'm sure a lot of you remember this who are listening or watching. The Lee Woodall game, I like to call it. It's a night game. It's in San Francisco. The Bills are on the goal line. They give the ball to Derek Holmes. He gets smacked, and Lee Woodall, the 49ers linebacker, picks it up. And runs the other way 98 yards, I think it was, for a touchdown. Maybe 96, something like that. And I cannot – I remember that that game, that that play so vividly, just like I do the no-punt game back in 1992, which is a big history and part of the uh, history for these two teams and organizations. So they really do have a big history with each other. Let's clean some stuff up on what's going on with the Bills. Today, A.J. Klein was named – AFC Defensive Player of the Week. What a fantastic line he had. 14 tackles, a sack and a half, a couple of pass breakups, quarterback hurries, and he did everything. But at the same time that that happened, Matt Milano's coming back from injured reserve, or at least he's been practicing. So what happens now? Will the Bills activate Matt Milano before Monday's game? If they do, how much does he play? How much does AJ Klein play? This is a good problem to have. Terrell Dodson also, he's back on the practice field from injured reserve. No rush there, I would say, with the way that now you have Matt Milano, now you have A.J. Klein, the way he's playing. What I would tell you is, if both players are completely healthy, I still want Matt Milano on the field over A.J. Klein. The Bills have figured out a way to maximize A.J. Klein. They don't need to figure out a way to maximize Matt Milano. He's already a guy, I think, that can do everything. But again, how healthy is he? You might go on Monday night, even if Matt Milano's active, you might see A.J. Klein still start. You might see A.J. Klein still get more reps. It might be a situation where the Bills say, this is a 49ers team that's going to like to run the ball. We we do have Matt Milano. We could put him in in passing situations so we can get a little more athleticism and we can still have him you know, rest the peck basically or not put a lot of strain on it as he still goes forward here. So we'll see. Maybe they don't even activate Matt Milano by 4 p.m. on Saturday, which is the deadline if he's going to play on Monday. It's going to be really interesting for the Bills and for me and all of us to see how they treat this linebacker situation going forward with Milano and with Klein. And then the other thing that happened today is Josh Allen did show up in the injury report with a knee slash ankle, but he was a full participant. He got twisted up badly by Joey Bosa. Uh, you saw the ankle. You saw the knee the way it happened. 
I think a lot of people were concerned, but he did finish the game and he even ran for a touchdown, the one in the corner of the end zone when he spun the ball and he got the penalty and all that. That happened after the injury. So today he's on the injury report, but he's a full participant. But that just shows that there's something there. There's something bothering him. They're managing it. He did say yesterday it's nothing that's going to you know prevent him from doing anything. He said it shouldn't be an issue going forward. Uh, obviously, the game being on Monday night, getting an extra day's rest, that's really big. You know, So we'll see how Josh Allen can move. Does that affect his running ability? I'm not really sure. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a really good game, I think, uh, Monday night. Obviously, it's Monday night football. It's a national stage. There's a game on before that. That's going to be Washington against Pittsburgh. And, of course, Pittsburgh now having their schedule thrown into flux because of the COVID situation. They're going to come to Buffalo the following Sunday night to take on the Bills. I did some math today and looked at the calendar. Pretty crazy. I'm going to end it here because we got to get going. It's already been a half hour. I don't like to go too long on the shows here. I like you uh, all to get to whatever else you got to do. I did some math today and looked at the calendar. Check this out. Starting Sunday, which is December 6th, going all the way through the Monday after Christmas, which is December 28th, there will be, there's 23 days between the 6th and the, and the 28th total, counting the 6th, counting the 28th. Out of those, 14 of them will have an NFL football game. Nine will not. We're going to have a lot of football coming up. We're going to have a lot of football with the Buffalo Bills on different dates different times, different times, different days of the week. They have a Monday night game and I still have uh, Cam's banner on the screen. Sorry about that. They have a Monday night game coming up this week against the 49ers, then a Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers, then a Saturday evening against the Denver Broncos, and then a Monday night again against the New England Patriots. And then we'll see if the Sunday game at all gets flexed, the finale against the Miami Dolphins. A lot of football coming up. A lot of Buffalo Bills football, a lot of night football for the Bills, a lot of national exposure for the Buffalo Bills. Bills 49ers Monday. Of course, you can hear it on the Buffalo Bills radio network on WGR Sports Radio 550. You can catch me Friday morning on WGR with Howard and Jeremy. Sean McDermott will join them as well. Uh, We're going to hear from Sean McDermott uh, tomorrow on the radio, but also have practice reports for you. So check all that out. Sal Sports on Twitter is where you can find me. And of course, Monday, we got you covered with all of your uh, pre-game stuff, roundtable, all that kind of stuff that's going on on WGR and the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Thank you very much to my guest tonight, Cam Inman from the San Jose Mercury News. Again, thanks for downloading and subscribing South Sports and stuff. Before I go, one last thing. Today is my son's birthday. It is Max Capaccio's birthday. He is seven years old today. I know I had some comments in the uh, chat box that said, happy birthday to Max. Uh, if you did that, thank you very much. Anybody who came on Twitter and saw the tweet from me from me this morning about Max, Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Also, look on my Twitter feed. I tweeted out a link. Max's birthday present, His um, what he asked me to do for the birthday was to ask all of you and your kids to subscribe to his YouTube channel. That's right. My seven-year-old now has a YouTube channel. It's called Max's Playdate. And he builds Legos. He watches Fortnite. and I mean, he plays Fortnite and Animal Crossing and Mario and things like that. Uh, what other game does he do? I'm, I'm drawing a blank on one of them. Minecraft loves Minecraft and he does videos while he's doing it. I've set it to privacy settings for set to kids and also disabled all of the comments. So you don't have to worry about anything there. Check it out on my Twitter feed from this morning. You'll see a, some pictures of Max. Happy birthday with Max. Um, wishing him a happy birthday. And attached to that, the next tweet is basically here's the link to go subscribe to Max's YouTube channel. So please, Max, the seven year old, the famous Max, as people like to say, because I talk about him a lot. It's his birthday. I want to say happy birthday to. Not only my son, but my my best friend. He's my best buddy. He loves his Bills. He loves his Sabres. He loves his Roxy, his boxer dog. 
loves his mom and dad. He's got a big heart. He's a great, great kid, and we love him so much. And today was his birthday. Today is his birthday, and I'm going to go now and celebrate the rest of the night with him before he goes to bed. In the meantime, you can go subscribe to Max's Playdate on YouTube. Again, go check it out, Max's Playdate on YouTube, and you can see it on my Twitter feed when I tweeted out the link on uh, Thursday morning. Thanks for coming aboard to Sal Sports and Stuff on the podcast, and thanks for watching Sal Sports Live. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.